Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. church brunch and that's going to be part three of this vision builder series we're going to be sharing as Matthew said we're going to be sharing a little bit about the health metrics of the church how we're doing uh, initiatives that we've been introduced last year how those are progressing basically giving you a, a forecast of of what we see for 2022 and also of course casting a little bit more about the details of the vision of things that we want to achieve and goals this year for the church so we would, of course we want you all to be there because this vision series is all about us getting a vision from God, getting aligned, because it's so much more fun when we do stuff together, you know? I, I don't want to just do something with a small bunch of people. I, I want us all to do it together, and, and that's, that's the way we're really going to extend the reach of this church. That's how we're really going to go up to another level, is when together we collectively put our efforts, our prayers, our finances, uh, our, our hearts behind something, and we can see God do amazing things in this region. Amen. So I, I look forward to next Saturday. I hope you're all going to be there. And uh, I'm believing that God is really going to speak to us as he has been doing in these past few weeks. Um, anyone enjoy the last message? I it was a pretty good preach from Pastor Quinton about the fragrance of God. And uh, we were talking about this last Connect group. Uh, we had some really good discussions around just that passage reflecting on this vision builder's message that God wants to make us a sweet fragrance to the world around us. I really think that's, that's the ministry of his church, that he wants to captivate hearts for his kingdom. It's a beautiful picture. So I'm just going to read that, that passage again. It's from 2 Corinthians 2, 14, 15. It should be up on the screen. It says, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. In my version, it says leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession. And through us, that's us all together, spreads and makes evident everywhere the sweet fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are the sweet fragrance of Christ, which ascends to God, discernible both among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. It really struck a chord with me, that whole message about fragrance last week. I was just like, wow, God, he's really putting stuff together in my head. Because that week, I was having a conversation with Lynn, who's unfortunately sick today. That's why she's not here. Uh, Non-COVID related, <laughs> just to make everyone feel safe. Um, and I was talking to her about something that happened at Lidl, Lidl of all places. I was in Lidl, and I was walking past an old lady, and I realized she must have the same perfume as my grandmother did back in South Africa. And as I got a whiff of that perfume, immediately, I could see my grandmother, I was back in South Africa with my gran, and I, I could, it was so clear, it was almost like so real, and I was like, what is it with that kind of, you know, you smell something, you immediately get taken back there. I remember another time, I smelled a food, and I, I could remember my gran's pantry, how it smelled in her pantry with the South African ingredients there that you don't maybe get here. There's something amazingly powerful about smell to bring back memories, and I was actually just reading up because I was really curious after that. And there's actually a science behind it that if you smell something, you can re recollect and recall things much faster than seeing an image or even words. When you see an image, you're like, oh, yeah, what was that again? Smell, go, you go immediately to that memory in your brain. It's a fascinating thing. So there is something about 
the ability of, of, of smell to recall something. And, I mean, it was quite incredible. I mean, I was almost in tears in Lido thinking, oh, I miss my gran because she's passed away. <laughs> Just smelling a whiff of that. And, and that, to me, that is what the aroma of God's presence does. It brings you back. I mean, it was an amazing song we just sang this morning talking about um, in you, I know who I really am or something like that. It was is like in God, we find who we really are. Like we're reminded, this is who I am. And have you ever had that? Like you're sitting in the presence of God, right? You're just sitting with Jesus and, and you get emotional because you're like, oh yeah, this is who I am. This is where I'm supposed to be. And it's like, you're reminded like, oh man, why don't I do this more often? And God's like, yeah, I know. I've just been waiting why didn't you come to me more often? But it's like in the presence of God, you're just taken back. You're taken back to that reality. I'm a child of God. I am the beloved as we were just singing. It's an amazing um, uh, phenomenon there with, with, with how the presence of God can just remind us. Maybe you've experienced that. Has anyone experienced that in the, sitting in the presence of God? Yeah. So sometimes we need to do that. We need to just sit in the presence and savor that, right? We need to, because that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit, is that he's always pointing us. He's always reminding us, telling us the truths about who we are. And I believe that's the ministry of his church. That's what we are called to do as we extend the reach of his kingdom. We are called to remind people, to spread that sweet fragrance to this lost world. What a brilliant picture I think Paul is presenting here. So I want to talk about that today. How are we the aroma of God? Now, Paul was using an image of how Roman triumphal processions actually happened in those times. You know, Paul was always using the culture to explain to the people, helping them. So we have to understand his context that he was in. There's a picture that I think is up now where you can see a Roman procession. Now, this was something that was awarded to a general of an army. When there's a great victory, you would have this triumphal procession through the streets you know, it would be all the pomp and, and glory. You'd have your soldiers there with all their armor. You would have the captives that had maybe been enslaved from the defeated army. And you would also have, uh, as part of the victory train, you'd have somebody that would be, like, distributing um, incense. So there'd be an aroma, a smell. So the amazing thing about it was that you, you would actually smell it before you saw it that there's the smell, that fragrance would just spread throughout the city, the smell of victory, and everybody knew what it was all about. So Paul is using this image to show us that we, he's actually placing us in this story. He's saying that we, like him, we've actually been taken captive, just like the, the, the defeated armies. We've been taken captive by Christ who has conquered our hearts. Amen. That's, that's why we, we believe, because God has conquered our hearts. We realize that we, we can't do life without him. And just as, as Paul did on the road to Damascus, where, where God conquered his heart, he's done that in our lives. So our lives are a triumphal procession to the redemption of Christ over humanity, where the aroma of the knowledge of him is spread with the offering of our surrender. We are surrendered. We surrender to him. We say, Lord, you, are, you reign in my life. You are victorious. And that is why we are, as Paul said, a triumphal procession to that amazing fact. So when we are people, when, when people see a church that is surrendered to God, they will get to savor God's sweet, liberating fragrance. That's the ministry of the body of Christ in this world. 
Now, me and Lynn have been talking to everyone recently about a TV program we love called Alt for Svea. And I've been banging on about it for a I don't think anyone's bothered to watch it. They don't take my tips for some reason. But episode two of this season, you got to watch it, is probably some of the most authentic conversations you're ever going to hear on Swedish TV about the, the journey of faith. Uh, it was incredible. So the, the, I'm not going to tell you what the program's about, but there's some American contests, uh, contestants on this show that they were asked actually in this episode to stay with a pastor's uh, family in Småland, uh, a guy called Pastor Amos. And in this episode, through his warm pastoral shepherding of one of these contestants, he was able to help this guy figure and work his way through things that he had, uh, troubles that he'd had with faith to actually come back to Christ. He was a young man that was leading worship in his church, and he had a bad experience in church, left church, hadn't been in church for like 15, 20 years. And because of this encounter with this warm, loving, graceful pastor, he actually decided, I'm going to come back to God. And it was just amazing. You're just seeing this happen on Swedish SVT. It was like, okay, we're really doing this? Wow. They're showing this amazing testimony. And so I had to read up about this guy. I thought, this, this pastor's incredible. So Pastor Amos, I think I got a picture from there, He's actually from Tanzania. He's married to a, uh, a Swede, uh, and they run a church together. It's similarities to our pastor here. <laughs> and um, before he became a pastor, he actually worked as a bus chauffeur, uh, a bus driver in Uppsala. And he became a little bit of a local hero because this guy was so happy that every time someone would get on the bus, he'd be like his magnanimous self, like, good morning, how are you today? God bless you. And like, that's a little bit unusual in, in our part of the world, right? And um, he would call every passenger VIPs. He was like, welcome on board, VIP, very important person. Come on board. And, and so you know, people just come in and work, you know, just like focusing. And they're like, oh, what's this? What's going on? This guy's really happy. And he became so popular with his passengers that they actually created a Facebook fan page for him. And he had three and a half thousand fans on there. Everyone was just like, he's the best bus driver ever. This guy, every time I see him, I just can't help smiling, right? And one of the persons on this uh, Facebook page said that I was in a place of depression. I was so low that I was actually thinking about taking my life. <laughs> Chokes me up. And one day he comes on the bu- a bus, of course, this person, and he comes counters Amos, counters his loving, sweet, graceful way. And he decides, hey, I, I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm not going through with it. And it changed his, the direction of his life. And so he went and wrote this on the Facebook page. So he actually got the name as Gladio uh, Spridare, like the spreader of happiness. And he was celebrated in Uppsala. I just think that's an incredible example of the sweet fragrance among those who know Christ, who know that they've been saved. They know that God loves people. He loves this world and he wants to save this world. That's an aroma that brings life. That's the kind of aroma that we can spread as a church to the lost, the broken in this world. Amen. So that's my prayer. Whatever we set our sights on this year, whether it's City Hearts or Sea Free Learn or Church Online, we have a ministry of spreading, as Pastor Quinton said, the hope, the joy, the expectancy of a positive future with others to a world that really needs that. I mean, I don't need to paint the problems. You know the world needs that, right? And that's our ministry. Amen. So there's another story of fragrance uh, that even Jesus proclaimed, you're going to be t- talking about this for centuries to come. Uh, you are ever going to, this is going to be immortalized in the telling of the gospel. Now, all four gospels give an account of Jesus being anointed 
were very expensive fragrance. You probably remember the story. It was by a woman, and it was an act of worship by her. Now, there are some details that vary between the different accounts. That's how we know it was actually personal accounts, because people remember things differently, right? But there's a few details that they all agree on, and that's that she was criticized by someone for her extravagant worship, and yet defended and commended by Jesus. So I'm going to read from the passage in John 12, 1 to 8. You can get your Bibles, you can read on the screen. 12, 1 to 8, it says this. Now, six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. We heard about that a few Sundays ago. Uh, Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, maybe you know that guy, uh, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Leave her alone, Jesus said. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And this is, I think, this is one of the most incredible stories or incidents uh, by a follower Jesus in the Bible. It's, it's pretty shocking. I mean, Jesus did a lot of incredible things. Don't get me wrong. I mean, like he, he walked on water. He turned water into wine. He raised Lazarus from the dead, as we heard about. So he, he did amazing things all the time. But as a, the, just the followers of Jesus, this was a pretty incredible act. It was pretty shocking. See, Mary, the sister of Lazarus, she takes an extremely expensive perfume. It wasn't musk <laughs> or, or lynx, some of the ones we were talking about last gathering. No, this was extremely expensive. It was, it's spikenard from Nepal. It's not that expensive today, but in those times, it was really hard to get. And, you know, scholars are arguing about how much, and you get lots of different figures. But one of the figures I read was around 495,000 crowns. But anyway, let's put it in perspective. It was a year's salary, okay? So that's a lot in everyone's. We all got different salaries, I'm sure. But, but you get a sense of how valuable this was. I mean, I, I don't know who has perfume worth that much maybe the Kardashians or something, but not many people have perfume lying around at home that is worth this much. But she pours the whole thing on Jesus' feet. (laughs) This is insane. And then she wipes it with her hair. Now, I don't think it was the hair wiping that was the weird thing. I mean, if you've been in church long enough, you see some weird stuff. There's some wacky people. I think it was the fact that it was a lot of money that she was pouring out, right? Now, to my, like, kind of, secular program brain, I, I think this is, this is pretty crazy. Um, I can't help but sympathize with Judas here. Now, just forget that he's Judas. He's a bad guy, right? We don't like, he's not a very popular guy. Forget that he's Judas and just think about his like, perspective here. That's a lot of money. You can do a lot of good things with that, right? So I can kind of understand you saying, hey, maybe we shouldn't waste that much money on this one act of worship. You know, maybe we could put it to better use. Now, of course, 
he had a different agenda. But in the other accounts, you can read that even the other disciples were like, yeah, he's got a point. Right? You can kind of understand it. I mean, if, if Bobby decided, hey, I'm just going gonna, gonna to take all the Vision Builder fund this year, and I'm going to go and buy an expensive perfume, I'm going to just pour it out so that we can just worship with a beautiful fragrance, just as an, an act of worship to God because he deserves it. We might say, ah, you, you know, Bobby, I think we could make better use of that. You know, we want to do some church online stuff, and we want to get some equipment for Lund, and we want to get City Hearts going. We come up with a lot of good reasons why we shouldn't do that, right? And we could justify that. So I, I probably would be in Jesus' camp on, on this particular case. But there's more to the story. So there's five guests in this story. Of course, you've got Jesus. He's the guest of honor, as it says. You've got Lazarus, the friend. We don't really know much about Lazarus, apart from the fact that he was Jesus' mate, and he died, and he rose again, which is a pretty big deal. But apart from that, he doesn't say much in the Gospels. We don't really know much about him. What we know about him here is that he was also reclining with Jesus. So in, back in those days, you didn't just sit in a store. You, you reclined. You know the old Roman ones where you'd have the grapes and just be hanging out. So you, you were literally just hanging out with Jesus as, as his mate. And, and that's all we know that he does in this story. Um, you think he'd be off like speaking at conferences now that he'd been raised from the dead, writing books. I mean, he could live off that, right? People, crowds are already gathering. He didn't, he didn't think about it back then. Now, now we've learned to Milk those miracles. <laughs> um, and then you got Martha, um, the server. Uh, what, sorry, I've got one more point about, about Lazarus, the friend. Uh, just to be fair to him, uh, you know, we dissed him a little bit there. But, but, you know, sometimes it's justified to just sit with Jesus, right? As I said at the beginning, like sometimes just hanging out with Jesus is actually what we should do. I think often in our age... We don't do enough of that. We're like, you know, the busy server. You know, I'm doing this. I'm going to church. I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm helping this and I'm reading this. But sometimes we just need to do what Lazarus did and just chill with Jesus, just sit with Jesus. And so there is a time when we need to be like Lazarus, when we need to be a little bit more passive. We need to just spend time in his presence. But then there's Martha. There's Martha the server. We all, we all know the Martha types, you know, busy uh, while everyone else is enjoying themselves, Martha is making herself busy. She's serving. And, of course, we need that. We need servants. This church does not work without the Marthas, right? We've got a lot of Marthas in our church that are busy helping out, and that's great. And I think everyone should be a Martha at some point and at some stage in their life. They make things happen. But then you've got Judas. Who's Judas? Well, Judas is the critic. There's a little bit of Judas in all of us, unfortunately. You know, he may have been the one that spoke up, but surely he wasn't the only one who took issue with the extravagance of this gesture by Mary. There's a little bit of Judas in all of us. This, it's this secular program brain that we have, you know, where we think about, you know, what to do with our money and how to invest it and, you know, to be smart with it. And, you know, a pragmatic side that just questions generosity when we do it, there's a little bit of resistance in us, right? Why are you spending the money on that? You, know, you could have paid off your top loan with that, all that stuff. So, and then you got Mary, the worshiper, kind of the key person in this story, the controversial one. Most non-churchgoers, they wouldn't take issue with you being like Lazarus. You know, oh, you like to spend time in contemplative prayer. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah, I do yoga. 
Yeah, it's great, isn't it? It's good for the soul and all that stuff, right? They wouldn't, wouldn't have a problem with the Lazarus type. And then you got Martha the server. Oh, so you, yeah, you help out in your community. Oh, it's good to do social action. You know, it's good to get involved in community. You know, it's good. Yeah, I, I help out, you know, Red Cross. And people don't have issue with that sort of stuff. It's when you become like Mary the worshiper, you know, where you kind of turn upside down your priorities in life and you're like giving extravagantly into the building of the church and prioritizing the, his church over your own social calendar or, or the, your career, then people start to go, oh, oh, that sounds a bit too much. I think you're taking this a little bit too far. You're too serious now. You know, you, religion, is, it's okay, but don't get too deep into it, right? You know, you can end up becoming a not good business, right? That, people are skeptical of Christians that live all in with their faith, right? People like Mary. Yeah, I, I mean, I've had a few people in my life that have advised me that maybe I'm getting a little bit too deep into church. I'm taking it a little bit too serious. Like, you going to church again Friday night, but you go on Sundays. Why are you going on Friday night as well? It's youth night. But don't they have other people to do that? Don't they pay people to do that? <laughs> yeah, won't go any further on that one. <laughs> Mary takes things a little bit too far for the critics. She pours out an expensive offering for nothing but Worship. Just wants to worship. Just wants to worship her Savior. Just as we were singing right there. Because God is worthy of it. The world will never get that. We're in our secular program says we struggle with that. A faith that costs. A commitment that puts nothing ahead of Jesus. That's tough. Not one that fits in on a you know, Sunday morning slot where I'm not doing anything anyway because everyone else is asleep. Not, not just that convenient faith, but one that actually starts to take over a little bit, starts to have a little bit of a, um, a precedent over everything else in my life. That's, that's the one that starts to clash with the culture. When we really put things, Sunday morning, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. when, we, when, we, when, we, when we put God first in our time, in our money, and our agenda, that's when we're really starting to take things a little bit too serious for some. Let's be honest, though, right? I'm not speaking at a conference today. I'm speaking with my church family, right? So I'm going to be a little bit more honest today, right? Uh, money is the big one, right? Isn't it? Okay, I'm going to talk a little bit about money right now, if that's okay. Um, let's be real. I mean, it's annoying to have, like, a lot of stuff in your calendar because you want me to come to the brunch on a Saturday and then you want me to go to Connect Group on a Sunday. That's two things i got to do this week. That can be annoying, especially if you've got other plans. Uh, it can be frustrating then, oh, i got to come to church at 9 now to help set up. <laughs> this is taking a little bit too much. That can be annoying as well. But when it costs money, that's when people draw the line. I mean, it's one of the main reasons why people leave church. <laughs> um, that's the real reason I think the disciples were uneasy with this. That's a lot of money. Maybe they felt a little bit guilty, like, hey, you're trying to, you know, outdo us here. Like, you know, I, I gave $50 last month, and now you're here, you're giving a whole year's salary. What are you doing here? Right? It started to get a little bit pinch there. And I think that's the real reason why they were uneasy. This perfume was expensive. I mean, ridiculously expensive. You could have bought some Bitcoin with that. You know, you could have done some other investments, like all these other things that you should be doing, and you're giving it to the church. 
just talk a little bit about tithing. Do you know that uh, one-tenth of verses in the Gospels deal directly with the topic of money? <laughs> really? One-tenth? One-tenth. That's a lot. The Bible has double the amount of verses discussing possessions and money than it does faithful prayer. But I feel a lot more comfortable talking about faithful prayer. (laughs) Um, The fact is that the use of our money is about the most reliable indicator of where our heart is. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You all know that one. So God established a tithe to enable us to acknowledge that he is the rightful owner of everything we have. And to acknowledge that all wealth and all prosperity, everything I have, it comes from him anyway. So God ain't holding out his hand. He goes, hey, can, can you lend me 10%? I kind of need some, I need some help there. I want to do some things in the church. Can you lend me 10%? And yeah, if you do that, then I'll bless your other 90. You know, so it's a good deal. It's a good deal. That ain't what's happening here, all right? Jacob understood when he said, and all that you give me, I will give you a tenth back. So it's like, it's like Jacob sees that as like, wow, you just gave me all this. Hey, oh, no, I can't. I can't take all of it. Please have 10 back, 10% back. Just have 10% back. I mean, so how's Jacob walking away? He's like, wow, I get to keep the 90%. It's a totally different perspective. The perspective change that needs to happen is we need to see that God is our supplier. Instead of like, we're just honoring God with our money. Give you 10% of what I earned. I'm a good Christian, aren't I? That's the wrong perspective. That ain't the perspective that Mary had, that's for sure. Because if we acknowledge that God owns everything, tithe ain't even an issue. I mean, 10%, yeah, whatever. And an expensive offering like Mary's, it might not just make you cry. It might be like, that's a lot, but I can see why she did it. It comes back to that trust issue. Do you trust that God has a plan for your life? Those things are right now. Do you believe that God is in that and he's for that and he's going to be with you for it and he's going to get you through whatever challenges you have for your family or for your church? If you truly do, there is no issue putting your priorities at his disposal. God, do as you wish, because I know you're going to be good to me. You always have been. If you believe in God, the provider, you have no issue trusting him to supply all your needs. No issues. So a lot of times it's that perspective. And it's, it's hard, I know, because we're in a world that doesn't have that perspective. So we start getting into that thinking, you know, we got to save for the future. You know, we got to put money away. We, we got to hoard money. We got to make more money. We got to get, get, you know, a salary increase. You know, electricity is costing a lot of money now. <laughs> all these things, you know, all these pressures. And, and so we lose the perspective. God is my provider. God is my spot. I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to worry. No, I don't have to pull back and, you know, maybe skip tithing this month or not give an offering or not be generous because, you know, it's hard times in the world. no. Nothing is a surprise to God. He remains faithful in every season. So I want to talk about proper worship just as we're coming into a a close, really. The reality is that our chief purpose, why God created us, is to worship him, to glorify God, and to enjoy him. 
So says the Westminster Confession, one of the great Christian statements of faith. I think that does a really good job of encapsulating why God created us. He just wants to, us to hang out with him. He wants us to enjoy him. He wants us to be in relationship with him. He doesn't want us to be stressed by things that we don't really have to be stressed about. He wants us to trust him. In other words, we've got to be like Mary. There's something about Mary. I've heard that somewhere before. So how do we do that? Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. David Campbell calls it worship properly understood. The laying down of our lives is worship that God truly understands. That's how he understands it. You're laying down your life. That is worship. Now, if the outward expression of worship is the honoring of God with our coming together on a Sunday, our serving him, our praising and singing worship, all good things, then the foundation of that, the foundation of that of worship is honoring God in the complete submission and sacrifice of our lives and hearts to him. So when we come to church on a Sunday, we're, we're praising him and worshiping him on the foundation of our lives. The foundation that, Lord, I've, we, we sing in the song as well, lay down my life. We've laid down our life. We're his. And, and I mean, the, the singing is just like topping it off, right? That's why I experienced, when I came back from Bible school, I didn't really... Worship didn't really do it for me in my old church. Didn't really, it's like, oh, it's kind of boring worship. Went to Bible school, God changed my heart, changed my focus. I surrendered more to him. Came back, whoa, presence of God in this place. This worship is amazing. Same band. Nothing changed with the worship, but now I had a foundation of worship. So I'm singing from a different place. So I just want to come in close. I invite Bobby to come up again. Vision Builders, what is this all about? Vision Builders is an opportunity for us to pour out our offering on his body, his church. Just as Mary poured out her fragrance on the feet of Jesus, we can pour out our offering on his body, which is his church. This is why Jesus said, <laughs> you're going to be talking about this. This is going to be a role model for you. This is a blueprint here. The invitation is to be a part of building his church's vision through sacrifice. What could that be? Well, it could be your time. Maybe you say, I'm going to commit to praying for Lund on Wednesday nights and see that established so we can reach people, so other people can experience what I've experienced in church. Maybe you're going to lay down your agenda and say, I'm going to serve in whatever capacity that Aaron and Yvonne and Charlotte and... and um, Frick need in the city, seeing city hearts get established because they need help, right? To see that get established because you believe in the vision of that ministry to reach the lost, to help those newcomers into this city, to spread that beautiful aroma of God's presence in our community. Or maybe you're going to make a sacrifice in your finances. I'm going to support the building of the digital ministry to reach the lost so that more people might hear the good news. And it's through the giving of time and resources that his 
kingdom is extended. That's how God is working. The church, his church is crowdfunded. That's how he designed it. He wants us to do this together. He could have done it without us, but he wants us to do this together because he knows it's so beautiful when we do that. It's so much more fun, right? I can't wait to start having events again this year. I can't wait to start having Yulefest together and doing summer events, like getting all together, a big crowd of us and helping each other out, things that we've missed out in the last couple years. There's so much beauty in doing things together. That's the way God, it's what he loves to see. It's how we extend the reach of his church to Lund and into homes for church online. We set up a ministry center for young families. I'm dreaming here. And refuge for those in need. Let's dream big church. As we gather next Saturday to hear the vision and the progress, let's open up our hearts and pour out an offering for the glory of the body of Christ in this region. Why was Mary's act so special? It wasn't that she was someone special in her position. She was just the sister of Lazarus. That's all we know. It was a selfless act of worship. She gained nothing but the, honor, the, the opportunity to honor her Savior. Now, we try to get you excited about the vision. I'm excited about the vision. But we're not half as excited about the vision as Jesus is himself. I can tell you that. Because vision builders, it's not for us. It means more to others. Because it's what it's all about. It's about reaching the unreached. It's about reaching the lost. It's about reaching the sick. That's why we're doing it. And we know that that is where Jesus' heart is. So let's stand and pray as we conclude today's message. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, we just open up our hearts to you this morning. Lord, we pray that you would help us with our perspective. Lord, we know it's so easy to be like Judas, to be the critic, to be the pragmatic one, to kind of take it easy, take it safe, Lord. But, Lord, you are challenging us, just as Matthew said, to have that bold faith this year to step out, to see your kingdom extended, to see the reach go further than it's ever gone before, Lord. And you're not calling on any individual, you're calling us as a collective to do this together, Lord God. So I pray, Holy Spirit, through this week, that you would speak to us as a church, Lord, how we can be a part of this, Lord, how we can give of our time and our agenda and lay down our finances to see your kingdom built, to see your glory come, Lord, to see that sweet fragrance spread across this region, Lord to see the lost find a home, to come back, Lord God. Just as when I smell that fragrance, I'm reminded of who I am, Lord God. I thank you, Father, that we know there's a world out there that have lost who they are, Lord, that they're hiding like Adam and Eve did when they fell into sin, Lord, but you're just calling them back, Lord, calling back the prodigals, Lord God. You're calling people into the place that they're always supposed to be, Lord God, into your presence, Lord God, that they may know who they are, Lord God. We thank you, Father, that you have called your church this ministry, that we get to be a part of this, Lord, the privilege of it, Lord God. Help us to see it that way. Help us to see the honor, the opportunity here to, to, to honor our Savior for everything that you've done for us, Lord God, that you may be able to do it for others, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you've given us these strategies of city hearts and establishing a church in, in Lund. 
and the online ministry, Lord, we pray that they would grow stronger than ever this year, Lord God, that the, we'll start to see more and more fruit in these areas, Lord. I thank you that you'll raise up leaders to, to help and support and, and to be the laborers because we know that the harvest is great, Lord. I thank you, Lord. You challenge us, Lord. You challenge us to step out of the shoes of the critic and into the shoes of the worshiper, Lord. To have that extravagant worship, Lord, where, where our, our, our concern is your concern. Our heart is your heart, Lord, that we may share in that, Lord. Thank you that you speak to us this week, Lord God. And we, we're looking forward to our best year yet as a church, Lord. God bless everyone as they consider this and as we look forward to next Saturday's all church meeting, Lord God. We pray you bless it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.